Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you, Father. Another day, the gift of life in the land of the living. That everything that has breath, praise the Lord. We can only exhort, but we can praise on our own. With this breath, the life that you have given us. We have come together in your name. And you are here. And everywhere you appear, where your people have gathered in your name. Before their phones or TVs, their homes, wherever they are, you are there with us. We just thank you, Father. This morning I pray you speak to us, you teach us. Continue to strengthen our faith. Because when the Son of Man comes, and you said he will come at an hour no one expects when he comes. May he find faith in all of us. To that end, I commit the ministry of the word. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. We have it? I gave the list, right? Okay, okay. We, okay, those who are saved, are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When Christ comes, our salvation will be revealed, whether we are saved or not. But in the meantime, we are kept by the power of God through faith. The power of God is there for everybody actually. It is there. But through faith. That's why we come for the hearing of the word of God. It is through faith that we receive the power we need for each day. So that we are kept, our salvation, we are kept in our saved state until the day he appears. The last Saturday, not last Saturday, when I spoke, not when Pastor Vijay spoke, we were looking at men and women of faith primarily, and we looked at Noah. We'll continue with Noah. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 17 and verses 26 and 27. And as it was, <clears throat> in the days, just let me get the wind off my face, otherwise I'll end up wending. Now it's right at my face. Little more, little more, like feeding a child. <clears throat> As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, we are not reading Genesis. We are reading Jesus. This is what he said. He said, as was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. What does he mean by the days of the Son of Man? When Christ comes. When he comes, it will be exactly like that. Until the flood came came and hid them. People had no clue. It is not that they did not hear. 
it is that they did not believe. They all heard. Because Noah was the preacher of righteousness. He heard. They heard. Okay. So we need to realize about this. When it happens, when will it will happen, nobody knows. But it will happen. Turn with me to James chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. So that we get this concept very clear. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When we read that words, we think when mercy triumphs over judgment, we think judgment has been cancelled. Judgment has been waved off. No, it is not. When it says mercy triumphs over judgment, it only means judgment is delayed, not denied. The day of the Lord is the day of judgment. So when mercy is triumphing over judgment, it only means he's delaying it. He's not denying it. Then his kingdom won't last. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness. It is based on justice. So we have to see it in basically the two primary facets of God's character. One, God is righteous and God is love. And when God, in dealing with us, when God is righteous, he has to judge. Justice has to be there. When God is love, he has to show mercy. He has to show mercy. So you will see how it works. So it is the the mercy. How do we see the mercy of God? Look at First Peter chapter three verse twenty, and then Second Peter. Peter twice mentions it. Who formerly were disobedient. This is Noah's time, when once a divine long suffering waited in the days of Noah. So how do we see the mercy of God? We see the mercy of God in His patience and long suffering. How long? Until God said, okay, it's over. Shut the door, flood came, they were all destroyed. So justice was not waved off, it was delayed. So we have to see the mercy of God in God's patience and long-suffering with us when we don't change, we don't believe, and we don't do what he says. Peter again in the second epistle says the same thing, chapter 3. Which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and thousand years as a one day. What is he talking about? The patience of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, has some concern, count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the mercy of God is seen in the patience and the long-suffering of God. But it is not forever. It is not forever. That's why First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 is showing a facet of God's character. He said, this is what we should become. But this is God's character. And the first thing mentioned about God's love is, love suffers long and is kind. It suffers long, long suffering and is kind. Right? Now, past couple of days compared to the previous days, it's been a little cooler. Right? Why? Because we had rains. Did it only rain over the church office? No, it didn't. Right? 
rain everywhere. So he suffers long, the sin of mankind, and yet he's kind to everybody. His rain falls on the just and the unjust. Okay? That does not mean the unjust will be saved. Only the just will be saved. But in the meantime, God is mercy triumphs. Like there is one whole set of people crying out, Marnatha, come Lord, come Lord, come Lord. What does it actually practically mean to the rest of the world? Judgment. But God's mercy triumphs over the cry for justice. Now he says, little more, a little longer, a little longer, a little longer, a little longer. Let me see. Let me see. As many as can get in. Okay, but then it is not forever. So the first thing we need to understand is that, get that very, very clearly, that when God says mercy triumphs over judgment, that does not mean judgment has been cancelled. No, it's only been postponed so that we change and we get it. Then, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, <clears throat> again connected with Noah. This is Noah's time. My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day shall be 120 years. So what does it mean? My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Second thing connected with time. We looked at time yesterday. Time in the Bible and scientifically is lineal. It is not cyclic. It is lineal. There is a beginning and there is an end. That's a dash between on that tombstone. Born, died, dash. Beginning. And there is an end. What does it mean? My spirit shall not strive with man forever. We do not have all the time in the world. Okay? We do not have all the time in the world. In this case, a specific time is given to the that generation. 120 years is given to them. We don't have all the time in the world. Please remember, when we woke up this morning, one more day is over. And we went to sleep last night, one more day is over. It's 9.30, 9 hours, 30 minutes of this day is already over. Ephesians 5 and verse 15 to 17. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Turn with me to Genesis 6, 5 and then come back to this, okay? Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You're getting the picture? Every thought is evil. And God says, well, hasn't changed. Redeem the time because the days are evil. What does that actually mean? When evil is increasing, we are running out of time. Because we are running out of the time of mercy, God has to intervene. The more evil you see being manifested in the world, more you have to connect it with time. You are running out of time. Because God will not tolerate evil for too long. Okay. So for 10 generations this was going on, but it came to that tipping point where every thought was evil continually. Like God told Abraham, when the cup of iniquity or emirates are full, I will wipe them out. But I will give them time. I will give them time. So when we see things happening, laws being changed, and the average man becoming wicked, earlier there were evil men. But the society was not evil. Society was not evil. Today the society has become evil. 
Because there is this undercurrent that is happening. Even in this nation, I was, I mean, you need to look at what's happening in this country over these elections for the sake of power, the dividing of the society, the using of bulldozers and all, no? And when these things happen, and when those pictures are kept, put it on, uh, on Twitter, you would expect people to feel bad, right? No. Nobody's feeling bad. Everybody is saying, yeah, do that to them. So you need to realize, when violence is being perpetrated on any community who are defenseless, who cannot defend themselves, the majority of people are saying, good. Good. Okay. So what does it tell us? It tells us we are living in a time where the thoughts and the intents of men and women are evil becoming you. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. If you look at it, the mindset is changing. Because we are not talking now, we are talking about destruction of lives and livelihood. Livelihood. Okay. Whether it is on the Ukraine side or the Russian side. And God says, when those days are there and it becomes, be very careful how you spend your time. Because you need to know you don't have much time left. You do not have much time left. You are running out of time because life is equal to time. On earth is equal to time. And time means know your priorities. That's what verse 15 will say. Walk circumspectly, carefully. Walk very, very carefully. You have to be very careful how you walk how you spend your time because you can just lose time just like that. And before you could sit in a conversation, before you, oh, two hours are over. You're not going to get it back. You're not going to get it back. Okay. You watch something and before you know you watch the whole thing. Then realize it was not worth it. What a waste of time. But what can you do? It's wasted. You can't go and get it back. Okay. You're not going to get it back. You're not going to get it back. Okay. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Time. Time. Okay, so how do you redeem time? You redeem time by knowing your priorities. You have to, we have to get back to that priorities. Put God first, his kingdom first. And how do you find that priority? How do you, not as fools, but as wise. How do you become wise? How can you become wise in an age like this, word 17, or in any age? You become wise by knowing what the will of the Lord is. That's the only way you can. You have to know what the will of God is. Noah knew what the will of God is for his generation. David knew what was the will of God was for him in his generation. We have to know what is the will of God for our generation, for ourselves. You know why? Because there will be a time when we know the will of God, but there is no time. No time. We'll just probably get into the kingdom of God, like we say in English, by the skin of our teeth, like the man got in from the cross. But did he fulfill God's will in his generation? No. Okay. We run out of time. Okay. In KJV Revelation 10, Verses 5 to 7. 
And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea, upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are in and the earth and the things that are in and the sea and the things which are therein. That's enough, verse 6. That there should be, yeah, verse 6, verse 6. There should be time no longer. Very soon we will reach a time where time is rolled up like a scroll. It is There is no more time. We don't actually understand unless you get older. The most precious commodity we have in this life is time. Almost everything else you can get back. Almost everything else with effort you can get back. Your health, your wealth, your relationships, almost everything you can get back. But time, almost impossible, except one promise, one promise about time. How he will do it, trust him, only he can do it. And when time is rolled up, let me tell you, there are only two things that matters. Only ultimately two things that matters. Revelation 20 and verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. During that time was your name written. You can't write. Only God can write. To write your name in that book is not given in our hands. It is in the hands of somebody else. That's why Peter will say, make sure about this one thing. Make sure. Your election and your calling, sure. Be very, very sure. Even if your name is not found anywhere else, you are buried in an unmarked tomb or Unmarked grave. No name, nothing. It does not matter. The only thing in eternity people will realize will matter is, is my name there or not? And to get your name in there, we have this time. So we're talking about Noah's days. Ultimately, only eight people, their names were there, were in the ark. All the others wiped away. So if your name is there, the second thing that matters is this, 1 John 2.17. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. His name will be there forever. He who does the will of God. So first, getting your name in. Second, doing the will of God. When it comes to the will of God, let me tell you, doing, if you are sure your name is there, we have the two-part will of God. One is the general will of God. That's why we come here. We don't come here to find the specific will of God. We come here to find the general will of God. The general will of God. Acts chapter, did I give it? Uh, We'll come to that later. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 15 to 18. Seeing that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Basically talking about we learn how to live that life. That's a doctrine. The doctrine of life, generally everybody, at that level, 
both Abraham and Lot are the same. Both are called righteous. They have received a righteousness first by faith and entered into the promised land. And they are both keeping the general principles. If you look at the general principles, in some cases, Lot seems to be better than Abraham. Okay, general will of God. But then after that comes Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand we should walk in them. So if it was prepared beforehand, we have to discover it. And we have to walk in it. You can do something else to the best of your ability and get an A plus here and be a total minus there. Because he would could say that. I never asked you to do that. Never asked you to do that. Okay? So that is general will. Where does the general will come from? Both. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. General will you discover in the word of God. Specific will you discover by hearing. General will you discover by the word of God. The study, the ministry, the hearing of the word of God. You read, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I need to do, this I should. You get the general will of God. But specific will you get it by hearing. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, leave. The Lord spoke to Noah and said, build. Specific will. God spoke to Isaac and said, don't go from into Egypt. Stay here. You discover the specific will of God for your life only by hearing. But to hear, you need to understand first the general will of God. The church in Antioch heard. Separate Barnabas and Saul. They heard that Barnabas and Saul are discovering the specific will of God. General will of God and the specific will of God. And you know what? That's how we redeem the time. Once you have, once you have uh, understood the specific will of God, like class 10, is still class 10 is general will of God. By the time you go to class 11, you're moving into the specific, um, the, as, as an example, you're moving into specific, all general subjects. But at class 11, streams start changing. And as you go further and further and further and further, as if you want to study further and further, you see you are not broadening, you are narrowing. You are narrowing. You narrow, narrow, you specialize, you narrow, 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 you go up over there. And that's what happens with people. When you understand the specific will of God, it narrows, it narrows, it narrows. And Paul, who wandered all around Asia and everybody preaching, as his understanding, he realized, now my specific will of God is not to preach, it is to write. And I will sit in prison and I will write. And this will lay the foundation for the church for the next 2,000 years. He's not traveling. Most of his life is spent either under house arrest or in prison. And the epistles are being burst. Okay. Now if you look at man, what a waste of life. The most powerful servant of God possible. People get saved left and right. Churches are established. God says, you don't understand my will for him. You shut up and do your own stuff. He needs to be inside and write the epistles. So that the people will know what he writes. is just not theology. It is life. He lived it and he wrote it. And it was my spirit working in him and working out from him. Okay. The general will of God 
and the specific will of God. We have to discover both. And as we go further, as we go further and further, you know, one of the things you will realize is that He narrows you down. He narrows you down. You know, He narrows you down and you realize, okay, this is, this is His will for me. And you're content with it because ultimately what you want to do is the will of God. So remember time. Remember time. First remember about justice and mercy. Justice has been delayed. It's not denied. There is a day of reckoning coming, a day of judgment coming. So always be prepared for that day. Don't live of mercy. Mercy is not promised forever. First lesson. Don't prepare love of mercy. Prepare for justice. But justice is promised. Mercy is not promised. Justice is promised. There is justice. There is a day of judgment. So prepare for that. Second, to prepare for that, you have only time. And time is not for you. Time is for nobody. You have to learn how to redeem your time. Utilize your time. And in that time, you have to discover both the general will of God and the specific will of God. Third, Genesis 7, and if I'm right, verse 10. And it came to pass, after seven days, the waters of the flood were on the earth. The only thing when this happened is this. Noah and his family were happy. They were in the boat. Simple. Don't miss the boat. After how many days? Seven days. What does that mean? They were in the boat seven days early. They got in early. God told them to get in, and they got in early. They didn't rush in in the last minute. A simple fundamental principle of life, anything, you have to ingrain it in the simple things, the mundane we use, the ordinary things of life, so that you lose the same principle in the big things of life. Always do things which you have to do a little in advance. Don't try to catch the bus in the last minute. Lot of people, you know what, you give tension to the others also. Because it has become your habit of keeping everything for the last minute. On a day, on a regular day, like my timetable is that, if I have to wake up at 3.30, my alarm is 3.25. If I have to wake up at 4, my alarm is 3.55. Why? That 5 minutes is for to make that coffee, that at 4 sharp I'm at my table. Always, because there have been a couple of times when I was late and I missed my train. And India, in summer season, you miss your train in a railway station like Howrah. You know, there's no way, nowhere to reach. There are no modes of transport. No way you can get in. You know, people always play loose and fast with these things. About making it before time. I mean, if you go to an airport before time, what do you lose? 
If you reach a railway station before time, what do you lose? If you come to church before time, what do you lose? If you go home before time, what do you lose? They were in the boat seven days early. When it comes to the things of God, don't procrastinate like Felix or Agrippa, one of them. Kept on postponing it tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Things of God, don't postpone. Don't miss the boat. Get in early. In Noah's case, there was nothing to show outside. Not even one drop has fallen. Nothing has fallen. Not even one drop. Not a cloud in the sky. Nothing. They haven't seen rain. But God said, get in, they got in. Why should we get in? You're going to flood is only going to come seven days later. Can we hang around for six more days? No. Tomorrow is Sunday. And as soon as I come in the Sunday, now of course it has changed. One of the first thing I ask the young men is, what are you doing outside? Why are you sitting on the steps outside? So it's just inside, right? What are you doing outside? Inside. Sit around in the steps, putting their shoes. What's the point in coming half an hour early? No. We don't realize we take this into everything that we do. And we are always rushing from one thing to another. Rushing, 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 rushing. You know, the problem is, because it has become a mindset, we take it into eternal things. And we do not realize the loss we will face in eternity. Because you cannot have one mindset for one thing and another mindset for another. It is not possible because that's how we function. How we function. We function that way. You can say, oh, I am so quick and fast with the things of my career, but I am slow. No. You have to have one mindset that you learn to do things before time so that you have time on your hands. You have time on your hands. Because what happened? All the others missed the boat. Maybe they all, many of them believed in their mind that no, it's right. I mean, nobody can build a boat like this for hundred years or less or more. This man is very, very serious about it. He's talking about a flood and flood. Okay, man, I am ready to go in, but let the rain come. As soon as I see the first drop, puck, I am getting in. The problem was the door was shut. I am not saying they were in unbelievers outside. The problem was they were waiting for the last minute. And the problem was the last minute when they came, they found the door shut and found he didn't shut it. Somebody else had shut it and no, I had no way to open it. And they said, let us climb and the one window is there at the top. And there is no ladders. Okay. And that's what he was talking about. Okay. Take these habits. Ingrain these habits. You know what? I'm going to be early. I'm going to be early in the things of God first, putting God first. And the things of this life, I will always try to be early. If I'm working, I'll be before time in the office. Nine o'clock is starting. My card will not show nine. My card will show at least 8.55 or 8.50. I will go in, clean my desk, sit over there, commit my time to the Lord. Be with me, Lord. Prosper me as you prospered, Joseph, and start the day. 
when you finish, okay, five o'clock, you finish your work, your table is clear, the file has been cleared. Now, I'm not going to be late home. I'm going to home and reach. Some people don't go home after office. Everywhere you have to put these things in. You know why? Because you're not living your life before man. You're living your life before God. Living your life before God. Whether it is office or whether it is home. Because you will have work in heaven and you will have a home in heaven. So if you're always late to office on earth, saved, are you going to be on time on in, to work in heaven? Can God trust you? He says, Lord, why did you give him so much work? He said, because I couldn't trust you on earth. You were never on time. But there is no time here. He says, that doesn't matter. There are principles. The same thing. Heaven is a home. Fundamental things. This is all what we call general will of God. See, if we could not factor our life's discipline and our lives when we have 24 hours, what are we going to do when there is no time? A boy, heaven is going to be fun, yar. There is no time at all. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. God says, try it. There is order in my house. Order in my courts. There was nothing to show outside. I'm telling you, nothing to show outside. But there were seven days early inside. Get in early. It looked foolish then. It looks foolish now. It must have looked very foolish then. It will look very foolish now. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The question is, what do you want to look like? Like I said, the ark is not a ship, it is a box. Not only is it a box, it is painted black, white, black inside and outside. Simple, it looks like a cheap coffin. Not the expensive ones with paneled woods and handles, gold handles. Not a cheap coffin. Normal, black, simple coffin. That's what the, it looks like. And this man has gone inside the coffin seven days early with his wife and his children and their spouses and sitting inside. And people are saying, what a madman this is. Think about people who go to church seven days a week. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with you? The Jewish community must be asking these 3,000, what's wrong with these people? Seven days a week, morning and evening, going to church. But it is foolishness to those who are perishing. Matthew 21, 31, 32. Which of the two did the will of the Father? He said to them, the first. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collector and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness. You did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Did you believe? That's what God said. Did you see the poor people? The simple people? The poor ones? The harlots, 
the public it says did you see them all getting in getting 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 in they're still waiting and debating about righteousness they got it much before it you complain service is too long go to some of the simple telugu churches with hardly any fan in the summer they will sit there from morning till evening whole day service no complaints sitting on the floor no chairs no ac they don't look at watches because they have no watch to look at why they have gone before you gone before you think seriously god is talking about did you see that he said god says be very very careful don't miss the boat don't miss the boat get in early because nothing is guaranteed when it comes to time it is not guaranteed acts chapter 10 verses 11 to 15 peter so the heaven opened an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him let down on the earth in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth wild beasts creeping things birds of the air a voice came to him saying rise peter kill eat but peter said no not so lord for i have never eaten anything common or unclean and a voice spoke to him second time what god has cleansed you must not call common now what god is saying have you seen people getting in the unclean the one we write off he says do you know they're all getting in they're all getting in but he says we are still debating when to get in still they all getting in just getting god says be very very careful about these things no be very careful about this thing don't miss the boat because the problem was before the door was closed only eight got in that's why jesus says strive to enter through the narrow gate strive get in stay in john 20 27 to 29 then he said to thomas reach your finger here look at my hands reach your hand here put it into my side do not be unbelieving but believing and thomas answered and said to him my lord my god look at verse 29 Jesus said to him Thomas because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed we have more warnings and more scriptures about what is coming than Noah ever had in his life Jesus says blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed get into the boat now don't delay just don't stay in the boat the boat has many rooms and it has three decks go up go up higher and higher because the cry of god always is come up hither and when you reach the top deck even there there is a separation all that got into noah's ark only two creatures are mentioned the raven and the dove nothing else don't be a raven when it was let out it didn't come back it came back but it didn't come back to noah about the dove when it was released it found no place so noah took his hand and pulled it in it refused to rest anywhere 
when it was sent out later, it comes back with a green leaf. So only one thing is actually approved of those who are inside. Eight approved from the world and one approved of the rest that got in. The dove that brought in a green leaf. So God says, come up. Come up hither. Because blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Because everything that's written in the word, we have not seen. What have you seen? Nothing. But we have believed because we trust the integrity of the person who said it because of the cross. Because of the cross. So get in before the storms come. Because the storms will come. The only thing that matters when the storm comes is whether you are in the boat or outside. But the storms will come. Fourth thing. It was not raining. When Noah built the ark. It was not raining. When Noah built the ark. What does it mean? It means plan ahead. Plan ahead. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Moved with godly fear. And prepared an ark. He planned ahead. He heard something and he started. Much, much, much before it happened. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 11 and verse 14. But the day of the Lord, same thing we have been told. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? What should be? When if these things are going to happen, when it happens, you cannot become holy and godly. No. You cannot. You have to plan ahead. If this is what is going to happen, and this is what is required from me to escape that, then plan ahead. Then plan ahead. Then plan ahead. Start now. Start start working. Like I said, you can look at the ark as a person, individual person. You can look at the ark as Christ. And you can look at the ark as the church. Three types are there. One, it is Christ. We are going to make it only because of the perfect obedience of Christ. So be hidden in Christ. We are not going to make it because of our perfect obedience. No. Only because of his perfect obedience. Two, ark has the church. You are only safe in the church. If you are isolated, you will be. You will fall away. You will fall away. You are safe only in the church because the church is the body of the Christ. So be actively connected to the church. Don't be a loose electron as Paul Pastor calls it. Pastor Vijay says, don't be a loose. Be actively involved in the church, find one thing to do and give it all your best and say, that's how I know. Right? This is the hand. It's one thing the hand does. Whatever the head tells this hand to do, the hand will do. Be actively connected. You know why? You are safe. You are safe. Third, the ark is a person. Inside and outside, work on it. Why? 
you will not be judged for your salvation because Christ is the ark, but you will be judged for your works. You will be judged for your works. So make sure your works count. Make sure. So plan ahead. These things don't happen randomly. Plan ahead. Like you plan for the things of this world, even more plan for the things of God. Why? Because God has told us everything in advance. Everything in advance. Okay? Like we do things by sight in advance. Like if some of the mothers who are here, you knew Saturday was, uh, Saturday is Bible study. Maybe many of you already cooked lunch. Because by the time we finish, you know, most mothers will cook, at least they don't cook rice. Because it's okay, 10 minutes I can cook rice. The rest they have cooked and kept. Right? You planned in advance. So like we plan in advance, like for your children, your children's education, everything you plan in advance. God says, what about the kingdom of God? Because sometimes when people come and say, you know, Pastor, I'm struggling to pay the fee of my child. I said, what's the fee of your child? Uh, 12,000. Why don't you put a thousand rupees a month away? How much do you get at the end of the year? You knew it had to be paid, right? See, twelve thousand suddenly for somebody who doesn't earn so much at that point may be difficult. But you anyway knew your child was in school, right? You knew what the fees was that. You didn't put it away. You didn't plan. Now that line has come. Pay the fee, pay the fee, pay the fee. You're saying, I have no money. Why? You didn't plan. It was not raining when Noah built the ark. But when the rain came, the ark was built. He was prepared. He was prepared. When it came, he was prepared. We do not plan for things of the kingdom. No people plan for the things of the world when the things of the kingdom. Because like sight is, so is faith. So is faith. In Second Timothy and 4, 7, what does it say about faith? I fought the good fight. That means fight, faith is a fight. Like in sight, because it's very easy to use money as an illustration because people understand, right? Sight is a fight. When you know you will need this, let us say, June, schools will open. Let's put academics over here. Schools will open. Let's think about a regular school, okay? Schools will open. This is the fee. This is the books. This is the uniform. And you know your income. So now suddenly sight is a fight. I have to cut here a little, cut here a little, cut here a little, so the time when June comes in, I have enough for the fees, enough for the uniform, enough for so. So sight is also a battle. Where do I cut? Where do I tighten? Where do I spend? Where do I not spend? You can. If you're a good steward, you can. You know exactly because you already been foretold when the earlier academic year finished, the notice came to your house. This is 2022 June structure. It was told to you. Right? So sight is a fight. In the same way, faith is a fight. It's a fight. It's not a random thing. It's a battle. Faith is a battle. And he says, you know what? I fought that good fight. And you know what? I finished. I finished. That's what he's talking about. I fought and I finished. 
Meaning, you prepare for that. That's why Jude 1.20 will say, build up your most holy faith. Jude 1.20. Okay? You beloved, building yourself on the most holy faith. What does it mean? Now, you don't build on the day of battle. You prepare continuously so when the day of battle comes, you're not caught without supply. You know you have the resources inside to fight this battle because you were building up little by little by little by little by. You were building up. Little by little by building up. That's what you see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Look at that. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship, doctrine, fellowship, doctrine, fellowship, doctrine, fellowship, judgment, prayer, judgment, prayer. They're going through this. So the doctrine is set, faith is built up. Constantly they are doing it. Okay? What are they doing it? They don't even realize this is going to be tested in another day. And will you stand the test? If you don't build up during this season, when the actual battle comes, will you lose or will you win? Revelation, Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 4. 8, 8, 1. I didn't give it to you? Oh, I'm sorry. Now Saul was consenting to his death at that time. A great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And what happened? They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the leaders. They're scattered. Look at verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. Doing what? Because they were building up in their doctrine, general will and specific will. They were building themselves in the most holy faith. So when the hour of reckoning came, they did not scatter spiritually. They were scattered physically, but they did not scatter spiritually. They went about preaching the word of God. Think about it. Think about it. Let us. Illustration. Just simply an illustration, okay? Let us say Pastor Vijay and I and Ma and Justin were all going in a car and we met with an accident and all four died. What happens to the church? Who will step forward and take over? Who will be ready? You know in our underground churches, pastor after pastor after pastor has been killed. The next one was ready to take over. Some of them as young as 17 years old took over. Run it under pressure. and They die. The next one takes over. The question we are asking, God is asking, because it was not raining when Noah built the ark. It was not Okay, this is where even has in life our children, we should teach them to depend upon God and to be independent. Both. What does it mean independent? It's not independent of God. You have to teach them to do things on their own. Otherwise, you know what happens? When men get married, they're so dependent upon their wife to do everything for them. And half the conflict is over that. And you have to teach the girls to be dependent upon God, yet to be independent. 
so that if your husband goes away for three months or six months, you'll be able to run your house, miss him, yet run your house as if nothing has happened. Because when the persecution comes and your husband is taken, what will you do? When persecution comes, if the both the parents are taken out, what will the children do? Will you be scattered? That's what we teach them. That's what you have to teach them. Be dependent upon God. Yet, by the time they are of a certain age, they should be able to do everything on their own. Including cook. And do all their stuff. Without the help of machines. Because you may end up in a place where there are no machines. No machines. Okay. Because this dependence, dependence, dependent, that, that's, that kills you, that destroys you. And God is not able to send people out. Send people out. Many are called. Very few are chosen. Why are very few chosen? It's because of this dependency. He sent his son out. He could send his son out. Okay. He could send John out. But if you look at how the son, John and Jesus, absolutely two different lifestyles, but identical in the spirit. John is dependent upon nobody. He's living in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey. Absolutely dependent upon nobody. Jesus, on the other hand, is living at home. Father probably dead, taking care of eight or nine other young siblings. Everybody's dependent upon him. That's why the wedding of Kana, the mother, comes to him and says, they were on a vine. Two different people, two different circumstances, but in the spirit identical, they have learned to manage on their own. So when a son like that comes out and goes into the world and everybody goes in the evening, he's able to say the foxes have no holes. Have holes, birds have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head. But I'm good with it. I'm okay. I will sleep in the garden, wake up in the morning, go back to preaching. Okay. That's what, for life you prepare yourself for the kingdom. And the call, you prepare yourself because it was not raining when Noah built the ark. Please need to understand this. Another thing connected with this. The biggest block. First Timothy, uh, second Timothy chapter one seven, if I'm right, not first. Ah, uh, first Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. It is not theory. It's I was just telling just before we started. Kritika was asking a doubt, and I was telling her. No, I was telling her about fear, and I said you have to deal with fear. This fear, this spirit of fear, as a child, practically, and face it. Don't be afraid of cockroaches. If you're going to be afraid of cockroaches, you'll be afraid of demons. Because both fears are real. Deal with them now. Trample them. Don't be afraid of lizards. Chase them out. Don't. And I thank God He prepared me as a child before I knew Him. Cockroaches, lizards, snakes, scorpions used to make nooses and take it and play around with it. And then you come to the Lord and realize you have been called to trample snakes and scorpions. (laughs) 
you already dealt with it in the physical yeah honestly in the kitchen on the counter in assam the snake i didn't even know it was a snake just thought it was a stick and threw it out and then realized it wriggled and went away here also killed three or four you have to deal with your fear you don't have to go looking for it they will come looking for you but don't run don't run because at the basic level fear is the same fear is the same you have to deal with fear and fear will manifest you see whether you have pneumonia or whether you have cancer or whether you have give me another disease name dr richard <laughs> okay okay when your body temperature rises fever is the same right the disease inside could be different but the temperature thermometer will say this temperature is different it doesn't say the temperature is always the same fever is the same in the same way at a basic level fear is the same and you have to learn to deal with these fears deal with these fears because fear can cripple you in your battle of faith because if you don't deal with fear with all the doctrine you get you will be a good man like lot and never would have fulfilled the specific will of god because he looked at abraham and he looked at this uncle wandering wandering and he says you know what one thing i i like him i love him and you know what i don't want to be like him it's too risky too risky too scary man i'm going to i'm going to put my roots in deep and he picked a town and built a house fear judges 7:3 Therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people saying who are is fearful and afraid let him turn and depart at once from mount gilead and 22000 of the people returned and 10000 remained the day of the battle of the lord is coming it is coming it is coming there are separations at every level and these are connected with your crowns and your rewards but on that day the spirit of god will say all those who are fearful will live it won't be like this and you won't realize because you did not prepare for faith and the battle of faith you unconsciously you left and you were never counted in that battle and the loss is eternal not salvation because you were fearful because you did not learn to deal with fears in life like i said fear can come into everything every you have to face your fears you cannot run away from it you cannot escape it you cannot skirt it you have to face it if you are afraid of heights like i was terrible heights you know what you go to the roof you go you when you book into a hotel and if the hotel has 15 floors ask for floor 14 and go to there and keep looking down and keep looking down and keep looking down and keep looking down unless you are no longer afraid and you are scared of the ocean get into the ocean you don't have to die you don't have to die because you have to face it because these are these are material things because you're going to face spiritual things really spiritual things the fellow who can manipulate and cause people to be good people righteous people godly people prayerful people frozen in life doing nothing for really for god because they are afraid because they are afraid really really good 
Because if you look at them, they have so much potential. They could be giants in God's kingdom. They end up as big mates. Why? Not because they did not have doctrine. Not because they did not have a prayer life. Because they did not overcome this one thing. Fear. Look at First Kings chapter 17, 13 to 15. Remember Jesus saying, there were many widows in Israel. But Elijah was sent to a widow in Samaria. Why? Elijah said to her, do not fear. What did he say? About what? About giving. Why did God send him to her? Because she knew she would overcome face of fear and give it. She's got only this much. Handful of flour, two spoonsful of oil, and that's all she has. And the first thing he says, fear. Do not fear. Do as you have said. Make me a small cake from it and bring it to me. And afterward, they are facing scarcity. They are facing famine. They are facing death. That's why the fear of death is worse than death itself. And through it, the Bible says the devil has held people captive. And God says, you know what? You do it first. Overcome your fear. And I promise you one thing. You will experience God's provision. But if you experience God's provision, which comes by faith, first you have to deal with your fear. As long as you do not deal with your fear, you will never experience Though it was always there. It was always there. The provision was always there. God has never changed. It was always there. Only thing you had to deal with your fear. And in these last days, these days, prophetic days, after pestilence and war, famine is knocking on the door. You know what? It is not going to be easy. It is going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. You will have to break this barrier of fear. And that's what he is talking about. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and make, and verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. What God of, God of Israel has said will only be true. If you believe, act on it. Thus says the Lord of God. It's the word of God. But what if you don't believe and act on it? Your fear cripples you. You know, I can't handle it. Please, please, please. Find somebody else. I can't do it. Go somewhere else. I am sorry. Word of God still stands. It will not go void. If the woman in Samaria refuses, widow in Samaria refuses, there will be another widow who will receive. The word of God will not. Blessed are you among all women. The spirit of, you are going to bear a child. I don't know, I don't understand, therefore I don't receive. God will find another one who will receive. The word of God cannot be stopped. It will always find somebody. Somebody outside the gate. Tomorrow, famine will be over. And this is what the price of commodities will be so cheap. <laughs> Even if God were to open the windows of heaven, it is not going to happen. It will happen, but you will not eat it. In the entire camp, the word of God did not fall on anybody. Because nobody had faith. It fell upon four lepers sitting outside the gate. They suddenly thought, why should we sit here and die? If we go inside, we will die. If we go outside, we will die. Let us go to the camp of the enemy. Before you know, famine is over. Because the word of God found four lepers on home 
to fall. You know why? Because they had nothing to fear anymore. That's exactly what we said. We go in, we die. We go out, we die. What do we fear? They broke the fear factor and faith came in and famine was over for everybody. Fear cripples people. Fear cripples. It's not a small thing. It is a huge, huge thing because the Bible actually says in, if I'm right, Hebrews 2, uh, 13 and 14 or 14 and 15, it actually says, devil has used fear to hold men and women captive. They have been held captive. Hebrews 2, let's 2.14. Look at that. Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Yeah, come next down. 15, it will tell you. He had, he had the power of death and released those who through what? Fear of death. What is poverty? If you don't eat and you don't die, who's afraid of hunger? If you are cut and you bleed but you don't die, who's afraid of wounds? If you fall sick and you can never die, who's afraid of sickness? If you don't get a job and you starve but you don't die, who's afraid of jobs? Everything, every fear is ultimately connected to death. Death. Okay. And she is starving. Her son is starving. This is the last bit they have because her own words is, we will eat and we will die because there's nobody even to borrow from. Everybody is going through the same thing. And Elijah is coming and says, you shall not die, but love. And declare the works of the Lord. I've been sent for that. But you know what you need to do something? First break that fear in your heart. How do you break it? Make it and give it to me. It's not even enough for one. And not two. Now you are saying give it to three. Break it. Break it. Because much of the faith we have is just pedantic. It's just in the head. It's not a bad thing. As long as it comes down to the heart. Just in the head. It's not, it's, it's, it's not really moving you or moving the kingdom of God. It has to become practical. And it is not knowledge. The doctrine level of faith, faith has two. One is doctrine, the other is active. The doctrine level is very good. It makes you a good Christian. A good child of God, like Lord, righteous Lord, fighting in his mind with all the evil and not subscribing to it. But there is no act. So the question is, when you go on to the other side, do you want to be Lot or Abraham? Which do you want to be? Lot or Abraham? Because there is two sides of faith. One is doctrinal. The other is, it has to be looked out practically. It is a fight. That's what Paul is talking about. It is a battle. And I have fought. You know what? In battle, there are losses. You factor that in. There are losses. There are losses in battle. And you factor it. But you fight. In our case, we fight knowing that the war is over. The victory has been won. So in the long run, I cannot lose. I cannot lose. There is no way I can lose if I fight the battle of faith in eternity. But I can lose only if I don't fight the battle of faith. That is guaranteed. 
If I don't fight the battle of faith, loss is guaranteed. But if I fight the battle of faith, loss is not. Gain is guaranteed. Well done. All of them fought. I know what is reserved for me. What? The crown of righteousness. That's what God is talking about. Plan ahead. Build up. Most holy faith. Keep building. Even in the children. Keep building. Keep building. I wish I had a heritage like these little children sitting here. Arundhati, Nazarene and all. Had a, this thing. All of them sitting here. You know what? They know more songs now than I know now. When I was their age, I knew no songs. I knew every Hindi song which was on Vivid Bharati, All India Radio. No word, no songs, no church, just outward religion, nothing. You look at it and say, what's the point? Build it up. One day, build it up. The things which you do now, you don't do it for now. You do it for another. Let me ask you this question. Honestly, it's very, very simple, practical. All the stuff they are learning in school, are they learning it for now? No. Nothing they are learning it for now. The children don't realize it. They think we are learning it for now. Why are you troubling you? They are not learning it for now. They are learning it for another day. A day when they will have an application for a job. And then they apply. When they get the job, then only this will take meaning then. In the same way, the stuff we do in the church is what now? It's for the hour of battle. When that battle comes, will faith arise? Or will it be sight? Will fear cripple you? You have faith, but faith has been overpowered by fear. Or will ultimately faith overpower fear? Gideon started in fear. Fear, 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 fear. Finally, faith overpowers. And he's able to say, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Faith has overpowered. Doesn't happen in one day, but it has to happen one day. And then don't look back. Then don't look back. Why? Hebrews 11 and verse 1 and 2. Children, sitting over there, children, yeah. Faith is the substance of things, hoped for the evidence of things. What's that? If faith could be seen, everybody would be faithful here. Faith cannot be seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. They obtained a good testimony by what they did not see, but believe and prepare for it. So whether it is Noah who prepared an ark with godly for the saving, is something he has not seen. So he's building when it is not raining, building something when you have not seen, but you have heard. Or Abraham who went knowing without knowing where he is going. He has not seen. But he's walked, packed and left. Out of the Chaldean. I mean it's so embarrassing. A big man from a big city with his caravan moving. Where are you going? Oh, you don't know. I mean you're taking your family and everybody. I don't know. 
I mean, what do you mean I don't know? How can you go without knowing? Well, uh, he told me. Who told you? God told you. What did he tell you? He said, go. Where? He didn't tell me that. I think I need to go back and ask. I think he forgot to give me the address. But that's how they went. It was a building. Something which you have not seen. Don't forget that statement. It was not raining. Noah built the ark. Because you are stepping out on the integrity of the person who has spoken. For God is not a man. That he should lie. And as far as we are concerned, D-Day is coming. Judgment Day is coming. It's 100%. It will come. Two, it will come unawares. Even the wise virgins fell asleep. But they were prepared. It does not say they fell asleep, did not fall asleep. No, they fell asleep. But they fell asleep absolutely prepared. When the call came, they trimmed their wicks, lit their lamps, and the oil was full. So they prepared. You see? When they were preparing, when they were getting the wick and the lamp and kept the reserve oil and all, there was no shout. There was no call of the bridegroom. But they were prepared when it came. What is the problem with the others? They were not prepared. They thought we will get in when the rain comes. They thought we will build our ark after the first few drops comes. Then we will start building. Right? Revelation 1.3 We have been given more information about judgment than anybody in human history. Because we have Bibles. 150 types of translations. Simple English, simpler English, simplest English. Whatever your correct translation, wrong translation, messed up translation. But you read any translation, this seems to be the same. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for time is. Which book? Which book? The book we all avoid. One book we don't study. There are all these books in the Bible. This is the book which we should study most. Because there is a blessing promised. We very religiously avoid it and leave it to theologians. God says, you read it and you hear it. If you read it, you will hear it. You cannot hear without reading. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God, meaning... We have capacity to read. Forget the ones who cannot read. We all can read. We all have basic knowledge of one language. You said you read it, you will hear it. It's been given. It's not that we do not know. It was not raining when Noah made the ark. You don't have to wait for blood moons and sun to turn dark. You don't have to wait for just read your Bible. No, I'm waiting for the signs. An adulteress and a wicked generation ask for a signs. 
Oh, John Hagee p- p- preached about all these signs. Now I am going to get ready. Leave John Hagee alone. Just read your Bible. Yes, there are signs in the sky. But 2000 years, people were not preparing because they saw signs. They prepared by reading their word. And they knew he has promised. So every generation, there were a set of people who knew if the Lord did not come, death will come. Either way, it is the same. Death comes or he comes. Both things, you don't know when it will come. I wasn't telling my wife. I didn't want to tell her. But I was thinking yesterday. The breakthrough is so close. It will come. It will come. Then I was thinking, Lord, if the breakthrough comes and all these years of battle is over and two days later I die. Honestly, the thought came into my mind. The breakthrough is here. It will come. Unless God decides something else. And it comes. And everything, all the battle is over. And two days later, I die. It will be quite funny, right? I was thinking to myself, because I've heard stories like that. People fasted, prayed, struggled for a breakthrough. Breakthrough came two days later, they died. It was over. Everything has been foretold. We have so much in our generation. I'm, I'm guilty myself about these words, okay? Though I study, I read, I listen, I look at it, but not to the way I should be. We are talking about, we have been given so much advance warning. Practically, you open from Matthew onwards all the way to Revelation. There is not a single book or epistle in the New Covenant which is not warning us about the coming of the Lord and the end. Every book is a warning. Ultimately, it is a warning. It will come, it will come. Don't be unprepared, don't be unprepared. So the question is, what am I building? What are we building? What are we building? And Noah's time, he was said, I'm going to destroy the whole earth by flood. Our time, we have been told, what you build will be tested by fire. We've been told very clearly, every work will be tested by fire. So the question is, am I building something that is fireproof? Only God can build it through us, but we should be willing. And that's the simple things, simple things of life. Don't make it very complex. The Bible and the gospel is very, very simple. Very, very simple. We do these things, build up our most holy faith, and then break the barrier of fear. Okay, break the barrier of fear. I was, uh, as usual, every night, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I have to watch my trains. Okay, give me that privilege. Okay, I have to watch my train. So I was uh, uh, watching China's that, uh, what is that called? The magnetic maglev, right? That yeah. It goes at 600 plus miles per hour or something. It will reach from, I think, Beijing to Shanghai in two hours, but the flight will take three hours. Okay, you're talking about a train. So I was looking at this train can actually, the next future, future of this train, I think Japs are making it, will break the sound barrier. A train will break the sound barrier. Okay. Think about it. 
when it comes to the things of this world, how far ahead certain countries are in the future. India, I don't think before Jesus comes, India will catch up. First, we need to get the cattle out of the railway track. Most futuristic book is this. There's no book, no technology can beat this. We've been given and told everything what is going to happen, what the end will be like. Okay. So, God is saying, Noah did not build the ark after the thundercloud is gathered. He built the ark with nothing. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. Matthew 13, verse 20 and 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives with joy. So he heard the word and he was very rejoicing. Yet he had no, has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. So you need to ask this question. Whatever I have built so much, will it withstand persecution? Can it withstand persecution? Gun is held to your head. You are beaten with the road. You are abused. Will you give up on your faith? I didn't sign for this. When we say your faith is fireproof, basically it means is your faith persecution proof? One of the little ones who got raped last week in the underground church wrote to me yesterday and said, Daddy PJ, I am better today. 13-year-old girl. Won't quit. They will not quit on Christ. And when I see a better, I have to put my head down in shame. The faith of these children. Won't quit. One thing is sure. Pray we escape all these things. But one thing, we will not quit on Christ. Not quit on Christ. That's a simple thing. When it comes, will we endure? Or will we stumble? Will we stumble? Okay, will we stumble? So our faith has to be real. Don't only read that one portion in Hebrews 11, they overcame and shut the mouth and quenched the flames. The second part, they did not. They did not. They were sawn into pieces, cut into pieces, wandered as strangers, lived in holes and caves and deserts and all. And God did not rescue them. But he said they were not, the world was not worthy of them. You don't see both sides because there is a dominion theology that's going around in the world all around. They only show the other one side. They refuse to accept the other side. It's not true. Both sides. Paul stood before kings and kings feared him and he was also beaten by soldiers. Both sides. This is the question we are talking about. Can your and my faith 
handle it if it comes i'm not saying it should come but if it comes if it comes will we be able to stand alone like daniel alone i will not forget that's so the the song which i sent to a few people and then later my others also asked and said it's a powerful song and this morning also i woke up listening to that song very powerful song the lyrics are powerful so powerful and you have to listen to these things. that's how you prepare yourself no everybody joins the army when you join the army everybody joins the army but very very few reaches that category called special operations the rigorous training they have to go through you know why the highest level of tolerance or pain pain that you will not quit under any circumstances you heard about waterboarding and all that's how they are trained they are kept with a plastic cover around their this thing and see how long they can hold and then taken off literally torture they are put through so why if you are caught by the enemy you will not quit now that is for a earthly nation think about our king who gives us the faith the grace everything he gives us grace but we need the faith no you have to be prepared for both like a wedding vow best of times and worst of times sickness and power health riches and poverty you cannot have half a vow we had a wedding on monday now today evening i have to do another wedding virtual wedding yeah my nephew is getting married so he wants me to the the spiritual part it will be on youtube you can watch how is getting married i will be, he can't say no i only want this part papu i don't want the other part i want only health riches and good times please put the other away because i only believe till hebrews 11:35 <laughs> after that i don't believe can you have that kind of a vow lots of people think that way but that's not the kingdom of god because the only thing god actually promises is this whether it is riches or poverty health or sickness good times or bad times i will not leave you okay what can separate you who can separate you nothing nothing should separate we can be separated nothing should separate us from love of god that is in christ jesus look 14:25 to 30 great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother wife and children brothers sisters yes his own life also and people get upset with oh what is jesus this is what he is saying he is not saying telling you to hate anybody hmm? don't hate anybody the only fellow you should hate is the devil don't love him please Okay, don't love him. Oh, I have to be very Christian. I love the devil also. Don't, because he doesn't love you. He can never love you anyway. Okay, don't hate anybody. That's not what it means. It actually means the devil knows our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. If he knows, if you love something. or somebody more than christ all he has to do is touch that finished your walk of faith has stopped 
You're not in the promised land. Sounds like the promised land, but it's not Canaan, it is Haran. Sounds very similar, but the place is different. Haran and Canaan. The difference is God is not here, God is there. God walked you with you from Ur to Haran. And then he moved forward. He did not leave you alone in Ur. He saw you, your faith, and he was with you. But when he stopped at Haran, he moved Okay. When they saw he was going further, they compelled him, and therefore he came in and sat with him with them. And when he broke their bread, their eyes were opened. But he was going further. He was going further. Okay. This is what it's talking about. You should love your father, your mother, your wife, your children. You should love everybody and some people more than others because it's connected with family, it's connected with relationships and all. But he says, the other gospel will put it in another way. If you love any one of these people more than me, the devil will see it. He knows that. Some people, all you have to take is their phone away. They will say it's persecution. They will stop following Christ immediately finished. Things. Loving people. Loving things. Loving things. Because things are connected with comfort. Please understand that. That's why he says things are connected with comfort. If you love certain kinds of things, it because it brings comfort and ease. Use them. Okay? Use them. But if you get hooked to them, then you know what? You will put boundaries around yourself beyond which you will not go for God. Because you got, if this comes along with me, I will come. Otherwise, I cannot come. Both people and things. He says, you cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my. He says, he's not saying you cannot be my child. He's not saying you are not his child, his son or daughter. He's talking about something higher. After becoming a child, the highest calling is to be a disciple. The criteria for being a disciple is very, very high. Child follower is all very easy. Disciple is very, very high. He puts it up right on the top. He says, these are the criteria. And then look at verse 26. 26. Who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The word cannot be. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. That's what he said. Count the cost. Be willing to pay the price. Because it was not raining when Noah started building the ark. But he finished it. He finished it against all odds. He finished it against without seeing any sign of anything that was told to him. He finished it. And only after he finished it, the flood came. And his house was not shaken. And that's the thing about Paul. He says, I finished my race and then death came. What if death comes before you finish your race? You lose. You don't lose your salvation. You lose part of your rewards. He does not say, I fought the good fight, but I couldn't finish my race. He is able to finish his race and therefore is able to see his crown. 
we are not talking here about salvation. We are talking about something after salvation that happens. That you are building. We are all building something which should stand the judgment of God. Should stand the judgment of God. And in Noah's case, the judgment came only after he finished and he was in. But the others outside had not even built anything. According to what God said. So the judgment swallowed them. That's what God is talking about. Do I have the faith to finish? You have to win. Have to win. And you win it here. If you don't win it here, you will not win it outside. Every battle is first won in the mind. If you don't win it here, you will not. You have to win the battle of thoughts. And you have to win the battle of books. The battle of thoughts, battle of this book over every other book. You have to win two battles. Battle of thoughts in your mind and the battle of books. Ultimately, when you have to choose books, what you will follow, you have to decide. You don't have to understand everything. These things don't work like that. You don't have to understand everything. We will not understand everything in this life. But you will say that if I have to choose between two opinions, I will go by what this says. I'll stake my life on it. What God has said. And it does not matter what people say. They can laugh at me, scoff at me. I can be alone. I can have few. But I have made my decision. I'll go with this. Why? Because he said. Because he said. You have to win here. Final thing for today. Genesis 6, verse 9 and 10. And Genesis 5 and verse 32. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah is a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Have you checked the list of all the people in Genesis 5? Almost every one of them begot when they were young, right? How old was Enoch when he begot Methuselah? 65. How old is Noah when he's begetting children? I wonder. You should ask this question. Okay. We are only hearing about God speaking to Noah about building the ark. That does not mean God spoke to him then. When everybody is getting married and giving in marriage and all, this man is walking differently in his generation. He's asking. What is things over here? What is happening over He's, we don't know when he got married, but we know he begat only at 500. So that does not mean he married early. Maybe he married very late. Because when everybody is getting married, he's not even thinking marriage. He's thinking about something else. There is a grandfather in the house who says when he dies, judgment will come. He's not thinking about marriage. He's thinking about judgment. He's thinking about judgment. He's thinking about what is to come. Judgment? If judgment is coming, then should I get married or not? It's the first question. 
the end is coming should i get married or not so maybe around when is around 450 we don't know 490 or something god said you know what you need to get married it's part of my plan for it okay lord he starts building the ark we don't know how 120 is just an assumption he starts building the ark only after 500 he lived if i'm right 935 years or something okay just imagine he starts his work very late in life not early it's not an easy task it's a physical task it's a manual task he has to do he has to work let us say for 100 years building an ark let us say 120 then god spoke to him at 480 then he had the children so he has to do so many things along with this but the main thing is building an ark so what's the message stay fit because you never know when god will call you stay fit he was asked to build an ark at the age of 500 you may not discover the specific will of god any time in your life what if you discover it very late in life will you be ready to complete it because keeping yourself fit both mentally and physically is an act of faith because you offered your body as a living sacrifice you have not understood the perfect will of god because the mind is being renewed but the body has been handed over so you are careful how you keep your body because noah was fit at 500 to build an ark which would take 100 years or more that's what the word is talking about and he was focused on it i was telling we read in the beginning right everybody ate they drank they built they planted they bought they sold noah also did all these things he had three sons he got them married so three weddings were there in the wedding also like us he preached a gospel message hoping somebody would believe we have to learn all this from noah what to preach at a wedding don't try to make the bride and the bridegroom happy try to get people into the ark that's what noah is doing so noah is doing so he also gave in marriage he also got married he also had children he also raised up he also bought he also sold he did all these things but that's not what is written it's written with godly fear he built an ark for the saving of his family you do all these things you do all these things study work hard get a job raise a family raise children give them in marriage do all these things but when god looks from heaven it should be written he or she is building something that will last into eternity that is the work they are doing at the core of their work it is entirely directed by one thing judgment is coming and what i build should come through the fire what noah built had to come through the water that's how you should look at life and for that you know what is it he kept himself fit physically fit and spiritually fit because it says he walked with god see we hear only one thing make an ark this is the dimension many rooms three floor oh that's a, no that's not the way it is that is general specifications i believe as he is building god is speak to him that is not right it looks right to your eyes it's not right to my eyes he says do you see this 
Noah, go back and see. Do you see the gap over there? I can't see any gap. He says, I can see the gap. Put pitch better because the water will come in. You see, what I see are two different things. I am seeing what you are not seeing. But no, Lord, it's okay, Lord, I don't see it. He says, you know, I will tell you what will happen. Second floor, last room, there is a crack. You're all in. You're all in. Judgment has started. The water is pouring down. Now there is a leak. And Shem discovers, Daddy, 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 water is coming in. Go upstairs, get your mother's nighty. And you're standing over there. Oh, it's not. Get the second nighty. So finally, Mrs. Noah is upset. I only packed four nighties. Three are stopping the hole. You know why? Because you did not listen. You did not listen. You did not listen. That's what the Bible says. He did everything exactly as God said. So it is not a general dimensions. Every day you are hearing. When you walk with God, you hear. Because he speaks. It's not that he's seeing him physically. You know, when you walk with God, there is a communication taking place. You know why? Because he is interested that you come through the judgment as an overcomer. Put this right. 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 Every day he's showing you something, what you're building whether it will come through or not. Unless the Lord, but is the Lord building or you building? building. I am building. He is speaking. Have you ever seen a civil engineer at the site taking that thing and cement and no? No, he doesn't. He employs people, but he says, no, 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 that's not it. He's the one who is giving the instruction. The Lord builds. The Lord builds. But we hear. We do. But he builds. He builds. Right? He builds. When you look at building, you will, if you ask the buildings, you will realize you get two names. One is the name of the architect. And the other is the name of the, the, uh, uh, engineer who are, who finished the work. The architect and the engineer. Do you know the name of the mason? It's never written there. The work was done by the mason. But you never know his name. You'll see a plaque over there, architect's name, engineer's name is all written. God builds. We are the masons. We are the masons. <laughs> two judgments. One is Noah's judgment, second is the final judgment. And God picked two people. One was Noah, the other was his son. And both were carpenters. Both were carpenters. Noah was a carpenter, working on wood, building an ark. And his son was a carpenter. And he built a, a church. And he says, you are safe inside there. Stay fit. First Timothy chapter 1, 18 and 19. Quickly we'll go through. I charge, this charge I commit. Son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made, you wage a good warfare. What is he talking about? He is talking about being spiritually fit. Timothy, be spiritually fit. Fight this. Fight, fight, fight. Be spiritually fit. Physically fit and spiritually unfit is useless in the kingdom of God. Be spiritually fit. Second, Second Timothy 1.6 I remind you, little laid back this young man is. I don't know how you can walk with Paul and be laid back. Second Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 3. Be strong in grace. 
cannot be strong in grace unless you are strong in faith. Because grace comes through faith. Chapter 4 and verse 5. Be watchful in all things. Endure. I think I, I left one out. Second Timothy 2, 3. Yeah, 2, 3. Endure hardship. Now he's moving from spiritual to mental toughness. Mental toughness. Not just physical toughness. Mental toughness. Mentally tough. Endure hardship like a good soldier. Be tough. Don't buckle under pressure. Don't buckle. The pressure will come. Don't buckle under pressure. Learn to handle pressure. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he again goes back to it. Now he goes into the physical side. Yeah, the next verse. Four, uh, four, five. Be watchful in all the end your afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. If you're going to be an evangelist and not a pastor, an evangelist, then you're physically tiring. Especially in those days, you will have to travel long distances. Sleep where you can get, eat what you can find. Afflictions. Be tough physically too. And fulfill your ministry. Be fit, Timothy. Look at First Timothy 5.23, the difference between Paul and Timothy. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Timothy, you are not fit, but you are called. Old enough to be my son only. And the father is not ill. His father has to take care of the son. Physically not fit. Noah is called at 500, probably roughly around that age, and is fit. Fit. Okay. These are things we learn. Okay. Why? Because we are looking at the big picture. Because, you know, you retire at 55, 58, 60, 62. These four ages are there in India, depending upon where you work. Government sector, different state center. 55, 58, 60, 62. Kingdom of God, sometimes you begin only by 75. Abraham, 80, Moses, 500, Noah. You enter at 75 and then you are given, what is my job? Walk through the land. How long? That's for 100 years. 100 years walking through the land. You are fit. You are not just fit, you are too fit. Because he gets, his wife dies and he gets married and brings another seven children. Too fit. Think. Think about ourselves. No? We discover. We discover. Next level of our ministry. Next level of God's call upon our life. Or the call of God's call. Next level of God's life. We love our mind, toughness, our body, corporate. All this is part of faith. Romans 12, 1 and 2, body and soul. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable good, which is your basic reasonable service. That is one. Two, do not be conformed to this body, but by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, 
and the perfect imagine you are entering into your perfect will of god only in your old age do you know that little bald man called paul was a toughy walked and walked and watching sin sufferings and beatings and whippings and afflictions in the last years of most of his last years of his life he is in prison and is able to write all this episode tough in the mind tough in the body and absolutely sharp in the spirit is a man the living episode to us look at noah look at noah that's what i'm talking about the story of noah is not a story it's not a story it's a real life and the greatest thing about noah is that he never lost focus from the time god called him till he finished he never lost focus i know what god has called me and paul says king agrippa i have not been unfaithful to my vision i know what god called me for and i'm not looking back i may have many problems on the way with co-workers and churches and false brethren and true brethren everywhere i had problem but core thing i've never lost my focus no i never lost his focus he knew what he was called to do and he rested only after it was finished it was finished then he got titanic was built by professionals the ark was built by amateurs titanic lasted less than a week and it did it just hit the iceberg and sank noah's ark was buffeted by the worst floods ever known in human history from every side but it withstood it because god was its builder and man was obedient So think about it. Don't be a professional. Acts four thirteen. And one more verse, and we'll close. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marvelled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Church of God has been built by people. who are uneducated and untrained by the world in 1 Corinthians 1:27 god has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and noah was a foolish thing in his generation and the work he did was a foolish thing in the eyes of the world until the storm came until the storm came the storm which was a judgment of god proved each one's work so don't judge before time wait for the fire to come when that day and lives and works are gone through fire what we see on the other side is what is true i think there was some movie called fireproof no yeah i never watched it but i know there is i am a guy who never watched titanic never there is 
secular or sacred. <laughs> no, I didn't watch uh, that one also. And Shole also, India. I never watched Shole also. Okay, so, but I think there was a movie called Fireproof. God has shown us everything. God has shown us also the way how to build our life and our work that can be fireproof. So learn from Noah. A simple message. Very practical message. Okay. Don't get fooled by the simplicity. It's a very practical message. Okay. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Because 40 days and 40 nights it rained. I was telling yesterday, right? 40 days and 40 nights are 2000 years in prophetic history. Meaning, when Jesus died on the cross, the world was judged. The ruler of the world was judged. So for 2,000 years, judgment is happening. And there is a church that has been coming through the judgment for 2,000 years and refuses to bend, bow, or choose to burn. The judgment didn't start. One level of judgment did not start. It's not You're not looking for it. It's been going on for 2,000 years. Because Jesus said, the ruler of this world has been judged. If he has been judged, the world has been judged. And we are seeing this judgment going on. And there has been a church in every generation that has come through. And they refuse to bow or bend and choose to burn. And the fourth man has always stood with them. Let's be part of that church. Amen. Father, this morning, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. It's a good fight. You said it's a good fight. I've fought that good fight of faith. And I pray, Lord, we'll be like Paul and not like Timothy. Good doctrine. Wonderful doctrine. True son of faith. Crippled by fear. But we will be like Paul. Fearless. When it comes to God and the things of God, fearless. Because we know in whom we have believed. And we know in whose hands we have committed our spirits. And the devil cannot touch it. He can touch our body, but he cannot touch our spirit. Help us to be like him, Lord. Help us to learn from these pillars of faith. This cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and are surrounding us now. Learn. Take those steps of faith. Those strides of faith. That when that day comes and the hour comes, when the day of evil comes, we'll be able to stand closed in the might, the power, the armor of God and with the sword of the Spirit in our hand. And keep fighting until that day is over. And found standing when the day is over. Not fallen down and crumbled, but standing. So build us continuously. Build us and we build ourselves. Commit even the children into thy hands. And our children be a different generation altogether. Sold out to God. Absolutely sold out to God. And the parents pattern that before them. They look at their parents. They need to know. This man, this woman, loves God with all their heart. And have laid their life on the altar. And will not buckle under pressure. 
and will not fear. I see no fear in them. Therefore, I can walk with them and be fearless. Thank you, thank you, Father. You showed us the way. We'll take that way. We just want to thank you. Be with us through this day, Lord. So many things to be done. But Lord, you will be there with us through it all. Thank you, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.